You're listening to the Enneacast, a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. This content is made possible by donations from people just like you. So to keep more helpful teaching content coming to your podcast feed, please make a donation today at lovethyneighborhood.org slash donate. So I was like completely myself. And I just started dancing, like actually just like crazy dance. Like I look like an insane person. <laughs> I almost fell off the chair many times, but I didn't care. Cause I was like, oh, I'm, I'm outside of work. I can be free. And I looked down and the entire team is staring at me. And I, yeah. like, oh. <laughs> I was just so embarrassed. I had to go into work the next day and I was like, okay, well. <laughs> this is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. Did I say that right? Did I say this right? Yeah, I think that's right. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Was that good? It was just okay. Oh. It was okay. Maybe a B. I'll try again. I'm Lindsay Lewis. Ah, an A, an A. Yeah, you're good. I approve. Okay, so this is the Enneacast. And this episode, we're talking about type ones at work. And so that was our, our best one impersonation, which I guess, Lindsay, all you have to do is just talk. Yeah, yeah. just me. That's a really good one impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be talking about type ones at work. Of course, these folks, these are the final ones in the gut triad. Type ones, the reformer. We're going to be taking a look at some of the ways that ones relate and operate in a work setting and how ones can bring their true self to the workplace. And we'll also have some tips for how to get along with a type one coworker. So if you have a coworker who's a one, Make sure you stick around for those. All right, Lindsay, where do we start? Well, Jesse, let's look at the five truths about work that we discussed in episode 46. And as a reminder, those five things are work starts with God, work is good, work serves a greater purpose, work is not the way it should be, and work is redeemed through the gospel. Okay, so in light of that, let's dive into type one, the reformer at work. So the first truth in talking about work is that, number one, work starts with God. And here's what that means. All the types reflect a certain aspect of God's character, and ones, you all reflect God's goodness and rightness. You all really embody the notion of the righteousness and ethics, stewardship of God, uh, but the idea that you've been entrusted with this life and you want to steward it well, and you bring that into the workplace. This reflection is part of what we call our true self, and it can show itself in a lot of different ways. And that naturally leads us to truth number two, which is that work is good. God created work to be a good thing, and we can see that he also created ones as a good thing, complete and whole in their true self. When ones are healthy, they reflect this goodness in their work. So let's talk about some of the good things a one can bring to their workplace. First off, they are reliable and have a high work ethic. Whenever the ones show up, you know they're going to do their best work. They're going to show up on time. They're going to feel bad if they're like two minutes late. And they're going to try to fulfill all their work requirements. They're not going to try to cut any corners. 
Yeah. Also, they have an ability to see flaws or mistakes in a process or project and to find solutions. So we live in an age where it's anybody can find the problems. Mm-hmm. Ones can find the problems, but ones can also bring great solutions. And so any boss knows you want employees that show you the problems, but they also bring you the solutions. And ones can do that. Yeah. And ones legitimately want to do a good job. And they are not driven by a big ego or lots of self-interest. They just want to do what's right. And finally, ones can be really forgiving and understanding when mistakes are admitted. You know, ones can have a reputation for Mm -hmm. being very cold and they hold on to their resentments. And certainly at times that can be true. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, if a coworker admits, hey, I messed this up, a one is willing to forgive and give grace to them. Yeah, because we know our own propensity to make mistakes because we feel them so acutely. So when other people own a mistake, it's such a relief. Like, oh, you too? Okay, I'm not the only one. So it's easy to forgive instead of just if you think somebody's trying to cut corners, that's really hard to forgive. Yeah, like I know a type one who works in you know a really difficult you know kind of social work setting, mm-hmm. really high stakes in terms of people's lives, and she brings all that righteousness and mm-hmm. that desire to do good and to bring practical, tangible goodness into people's lives. She brings that to the table, but she also has been around the block and alive long enough to realize that if she only stays at this sort of intensity all the time, everything is serious, everything is intense, everything is right or wrong, mm-hmm. that that starts to harm her coworkers and the staff that work under her. Mm-hmm. And so she's learned, I also want to goof off. And so she's actually really funny. She brings humor mm-hmm. into the workplace, sort of in like, I always think of Mary Poppins when I think of like yeah. a really healthy one. Oh, yeah. Like, rules, sure. but lots of fun. Yes. We're going to clean the room and sing a song with the birds while we do it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So work starts with God and work is good. Let's move on to truth number three, and that is work serves a greater purpose. And we've talked about each episode that that purpose is relationships. All of life is relational. So even if you want to use your workplace as a mission field to spread the gospel, it has to start with building relationships. Yeah. And one of the most common relational dynamics in the workplace is that between a supervisor and supervisees. So let's take a look at how a one might relate to that relational dynamic. Ones, you may tend to prefer to be the supervisor. You know, ones are natural leaders because of their high standards and their diligence, but a one isn't motivated by having power. A one is motivated by doing things well and doing things right. Right. And when a one is not in the leadership role, they can really excel when there are clear guidelines and structures in place. They will completely respect the chain of command and the hierarchy of authority, but they also need clear guidelines as to what is expected of them, and they need to be set up for success. Yeah, yeah. So the first three truths are work starts with God, work is good, and work serves a greater purpose. And these truths show us that ones are awesome (laughs) in the work environment. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, yep. That's true. You guys are awesome. (laughs) But anyone who went to work today knows work is not always good or ideal. And that actually brings us to truth number four, which is work is not the way it should be. (laughs) 
So because of sin, everything is affected by brokenness, including our work. And for ones, that means that not only can they bring their true self to work, but their false self comes tagging along with them. A lot of the false self for the one comes out in the form of their deadly sin, which is anger, or often more specifically, it's resentment or bitterness, or it comes out in their idol, which is being perfect. So let's talk about some of the specific ways that this sin, this false self, shows up at work for a one. So first, refusal to delegate or collaborate. Ones know if they do it themselves, it's going to get done the way that they perceive as the right way to do it. Yep. So the one may not trust others to do things the right way and feel like if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And a one may compulsively believe that and as a result, be very reluctant to give authority to other people to get things done. Yeah. Also, the one may seem mad or tense or stressed, but not really talking about it or expressing it. Ones can be called rigid at times, but just remember that ones see their anger as wrong. They see the anger as a sin issue, and so they are trying to manage it. They're trying to manage the guilt and the anger at the same time. So they might just need a safe way to express their frustrations. Yeah. Also, there are times where when a one's not healthy, literally most of the words they're saying are going to be critical Mm -hmm. or pointing out what's wrong. And, you know, in their pursuit of perfection, which is an admirable pursuit, Mm -hmm. they can tend to focus on the negative because the negative are the problems. Those are the things holding me back from perfection. But it can get really tough. I mean, we all know this. It's tough to be around somebody who's negative all the time. Yeah. I feel torn down. I feel discouraged when I'm around you. And so the one in their pursuit of trying to bring goodness into the world can actually end up bringing some really bad energy into the workplace. Mm hmm. Also, ones might be seen procrastinating in the workplace, and that can be because they are so afraid of getting it wrong or making a mistake that they don't even know how or where to start. So they can really put off the job, you know, where everybody else is thinking, are we going to get this done? And then the last minute they rush and get it all put together. Yeah, but sometimes maybe bulldozing in the process yes. because it's all cram time now. Stress, major stress coming yeah. out. Another way that we see the false self manifest at work is through our stress arrow, and work can definitely be stressful. And when a one gets stressed, they actually move into the four space. So, Lindsay, what's that look like? I think whenever a one is going into the four space, they can get really melancholy and depressed because they have that inner critic that's telling them you stink all the time like your work is bad your work-life balance is bad nobody likes you they're talking about you behind your back you know blah 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 whatever the critical voice is just circling circling and that gets the one into a darker and darker place to where they just finally spiral down and they're just looking inward they don't have any perspective but They can also use the four in a healthy way to give them the tools they need to refresh. And that can look like finding artistic element or looking at the beauty and the wonder that comes in the beauty of the world and the people around them. And they can just get in touch with their emotions like that resentment and bitterness 
and find an outlet for it in order to then be able to come back to their healthy self. Yeah. To even emotionally experience something without judgment, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just to embrace an experience and and go, okay, there's more than just right and wrong. Mm -hmm. There's actually the experience of of the moment as well. Yeah. So if you want to know more about stress and how to handle it well, go back and listen to episode number 42, which is all about the Enneagram and stress. All right. So far, we have seen that work starts with God. Work is good. It serves a greater purpose, but it isn't the way it's supposed to be. So the question is, how do we get back to the original design that God created? Well, the answer is in the fifth and final truth. Work is redeemed through the gospel. You know, each type has a particular message that God speaks to them. It's a message of both forgiveness and healing. We talked about this at length in season three. The message that God speaks to the one is this. You are good just as you are. So Psalms 139, 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. So we know that we're all sinners. We all have the seed of sin living within us. But for the ones, we also need to hear God's delight that he made you and he sees you as his beautiful, beloved creation. And that's the whole reason he sent Christ was to have relationship with his people. Yeah. He made all of creation. And then when he got to Adam and Eve, he didn't just say it was good. He said it was very good. Yeah. And that's what he says about each of us as he's brought us into this world. You know, a lot of Enneagram teachers, uh, they teach that the virtue is what changes us. But we would say that it's Jesus and the gospel that actually bring change and renewal. And the virtue is simply the outward fruit of that inward change. And that virtue that the one begins to display is patience. So the question is, how can we learn to lean into this virtue of patience at work? And that leads us to the final teaching of today's segment, Tips for Types. Okay, so these first four tips are for the ones at work. Number one is lean into your growth arrow, the seven. So just like in Jesse's story, you said how your friend brings the fun, even though she has heavy work, serious work, that we have to be able to laugh, experience joy, have some fun, because otherwise we just become rigid beyond belief. And that just messes up all our relationships. Yes. Bring some playfulness into the workplace. Mm -hmm. Totally. There are serious things to tend to in life. We Mm -hmm. can't joke around all the time, but... There's plenty of joyful, funny, silly things that uh, that are good for us, and they give they give joy to our lives. Yeah. Second, practice compassion. Uh, the truth is this: when you give an assignment to somebody, or you've delegated something, or that there's a project somebody work is working on, as a one, you will probably naturally see the flaws mm-hmm. in the final product. But the truth is that everything is flawed. That's just the nature of things. Yeah. Be compassionate because. You pointing out all the flaws is actually going to bring more harm than good. And you being compassionate is going to bring more good than harm. Yeah. So be compassionate. And number three, celebrate what is working. Take time in the day to find one positive thing or one thing that went well instead of only focusing on the negative. You know, take time to be thankful and grateful and then share those things with your coworkers to lift them up as well. 
Yeah. And finally, number four, keep things moving. You know, if your coworkers are ready and feel good about moving a project forward, let it go. You're going to have the urge to spend more time thinking, more time perfecting. Trust your colleagues. If you really are not ready to let go yet, ask for a brief extension, but then stick to that deadline. Okay, so those are some of the tips for the one, but relationships go both ways. So if you're not a one, but you have a type one coworker, here are four tips to help you relate to the ones. Number one, remind them regularly that they don't have to be perfect to be loved or appreciated, even when they are angry. Number two, admit to your own mistakes. You know, this gives the one a chance to practice patience and forgiveness while also showing them that it's okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Number three, go easy on them. Ones hold themselves to incredibly high standards. So you might feel like a one is so good at dishing criticism, they should also be able to take it and then be offended when they don't take it well. But the truth is ones are criticizing themselves all the time. So when we add or contribute to that criticism, it is just magnifying all the lies that's already in their head. So they don't need you to tear them down. Just gently offer them that criticism if it needs to be made. Yeah. And finally, number four, encourage some time off. Encourage them to take vacations. Encourage them to rest. Uh, encourage them to have hobbies, encourage them to play, anything that has to do with relaxing and resting and letting their guard down, affirm and encourage that. So if you have a one coworker and they're really not taking a ton of time off, encourage them, give them permission because a lot of times the one doesn't give themselves permission. Hey, hey, Jesse. Yeah. Can I uh, take some time off? You can. Oh, okay, thanks. I would be glad to affirm that. <laughs> Okay, so listen, those are our tips for type one. When we come back, we'll be talking with digital creator and artist Dayo Ajinaku. Stay with us. Hey, it's Anna, media editor. Here at Love Thy Neighborhood, our summer interns just wrapped up their three-month-long internship. I'm Tucker Lee Monroe, and I'm from North Carolina. Tucker talked about some of the things he learned like how personality impacts how he and his roommates experience the world and interact with each other. He also said that the intentional time of prayer and emotional processing has shaped how he interacts with people back home. Whether that be I go back home and interact with my secular family, the majority of my friends back home are secular and really go deep diving with them instead of just like hanging out and sharing experiences. If you want to find your internship or social action in Christian community meet, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. That's lovethyneighborhood.org. Hey, welcome back to the IndiaCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Our guest today is Dayo Ajanaku. Dayo is an artist, a digital creator, and also an Enneagram junkie. She is also passionate about black representation in media, which prompted her to start the popular Instagram account, The Black Enneagram. Through The Black Enneagram, Dayo shares original art based on the nine types, as well as looks at black culture through the lens of the Enneagram. In the fall, she will be starting law school at 
Berkeley Law, and she is a one on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Dio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. Well, let's start here. Uh, tell us a little bit about your job, and uh, can you describe your work environment for us a little bit? Yeah, so for about a year now, I've been working as an administrative assistant. You might appreciate this. Uh, I've been working for Lecrae the past <laughs> year, and it's, really, it's been, a little, been a lot of fun. so awesome. I'm working for him, and I'm also a content creator, obviously, because of the Black Enneagram, so I kind of couple those two things as my job. So the work environment that I'm in, obviously, you probably know that the music industry is super fast paced. and You're always on call. So rest is super, super hard and things are always coming at you. You're always juggling a lot of things and you're trying to make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. Mm -hmm. The way that the structure of Lecrae's team is, is that there's always a higher purpose. Like it's not just about him. It's about, you know, what he's doing and, and the fact that he's involved in like so many good things. Um, you can just see God like using him and he's helping the mission of God in a way that I can appreciate and that I can get behind. Mm. Mm -hmm. How do you see your true self showing up at work? So where do your strengths play out? Um, what do you yeah. bring to the table at work? Hmm. I think the most interesting thing that about my job is that I get to kind of bring my input. And, you know, you talked about earlier about how you see problems and you want to bring solutions. And for me, my job is a place where they're open to that. They want to hear my input. They want to see you know, what, I, what I think. Because I'm the demographic, I bring my youth, I bring, you know, the ideas. And then on, on the other end, I bring my detail-orientedness. I can keep up with the work. Because of the way my boss is, I don't get overwhelmed because he gives me that space. I think you talked about earlier about, like, how ones need time off. Like, they really need, to, need time off. And yeah. I think that when he encourages time off, I'm like, okay, like, I can still be. Um, and that helps me not to get overwhelmed with my job. So I hope that answers your question. I'm just talking. I'm sorry. No, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I actually have a sub question. Is that okay? Yeah. So, Dio, I always thought of myself as a big multitasker. Like, I can get yeah. a lot of things done, mm -hmm. you know, in a short amount of time. But then I heard an Enneagram teacher say that ones are actually terrible at multitasking, that they're Ooh. actually just super efficient. So it looks like they're getting a lot of things done at the same time. Right. But they're really just getting them done one right after the other really efficiently. So does that ah. strike you in any way? Like, it doesn't have to be true. You can say either way. No, that's I think that's really true. I think I see that as I'm looking back, I see myself doing that. Mm -hmm. I did that a lot. Yeah, me too. Once <laughs> I looked I at it, I was like, oh. one thing and I would immediately go on to the next thing. And I was just able to do that like in, like, in succession mm -hmm. over and over again. Um, so, uh, yeah, that it may look like multitasking, but there, it really is like a focused multitasking. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit earlier about like that work is not as it should be. It gets frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Work fails. Sometimes we fail. Can you give an example or a story of a time when your false self showed up at work and something did not go well as a result of that? Hmm. Hmm. One thing that I think of when I think about the false self is that need for like, perfection almost like wanting to like be the best xyz mm -hmm. and to do xyz really really well i think that's what gets me um because i think early on i wanted to quit my job a lot of times because i just felt like i couldn't keep up i felt like i couldn't do the job but i was lucky that i had a friend who was in the industry who's like this is just how it works this is just the way that the world is so that helped me to be more like grace like have more grace for myself because i just i struggle with that like mm -hmm. if i'm not perfect at my job or if i'm not if i don't feel like i'm giving them or giving my job you know what they need or what they want. Um, and that may not be even true. Like they may be like, oh yeah, you're doing a great job. But like, to me, it just feels like I'm missing the mark. But I do remember when we talked about stress 
and how when ones are stressed, they go into like depression and melancholy. I think that has happened a lot of times yeah. at my job. Um, and so what, what, and it does affect the way that I work. It affects it because I, then I just don't want to do anything. I don't want to open my emails. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sleep and watch TV all day. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's the way that I cope sometimes. And I think that my stress comes when I'm in this like critical cycle in my head of like, oh, you're not doing the job. You might as well just quit and just you know do whatever you want and not be a part of this team anymore. And not because of the people, but because of myself and me not seeing my value almost with my work. So, yeah. 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 Here's here's one of the things that I'm interested in is like you were considering quitting and I'm wondering like mm-hmm. how much of that is like your bosses were sort of pointing towards this idea that, hey, maybe you're not a good fit for this job mm-hmm. or like how much of that was a hunt? Like, was that all self-imposed? Like, was it, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of going, I'm not meeting my own standards of excellency, yeah. so maybe I'm not the right fit. It was it was very much self-imposed. It was very yeah. much me looking at myself in the way that I work. I think I'm just so used to because I went from school. I went from like being a senior to working. So I went from having this like efficient system that worked for me into to coming into someone else's system that wasn't my system. So I couldn't like, you know, you know, dismantle it and shift it and change it. Yeah. yeah. So I had to kind of work in someone else's system. And so for me, it was like, well, this is hard. I think that shift of I'm not in charge here. <laughs> I'm not yeah. in charge here. This isn't my my world. This isn't where I excel. This isn't where you know my strengths are being played to. I mean, they are in a sense, but not not all the way because of the nature of the industry. But my boss was very very good at constantly, honestly, almost on a weekly, biweekly basis, saying, "Good job, thank you for doing this." Like very very reassuring. But I was just like, "Nah, like <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. this is a lie." <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's just being nice, you know, he's just being kind. He's I'm actually on the brink of being fired. Like that's that's what I felt that very, very a lot very early on. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you notice different traits come out when you're at work versus at home or out with friends? Mm. Yeah, I think at work I'm just way more of a serious person. One thing I do that is very bad practice, like I don't turn my camera on. I when we're on Zoom meetings, I don't. I don't have a very good like relational personality at mm. work but I think when I'm outside when I'm, when I'm with my family when I'm with my friends I'm like oh yeah turn your camera on. let's FaceTime like I don't like uh, you know regular phone calls I want to see your face but for some reason at work it's like no I want to hide behind mm. my little <laughs> my little photo on zoom do you mean like you feel like your face is too serious or something like that mm. I don't know why I do it I have to be completely honest I don't know why okay. I choose not to like be super relational and engaging at work yeah, yeah. I have to figure that out. That's a hard. That's a hard answer. I think work is serious, and sometimes when you can see someone's face and you see them smiling, it just makes the work less serious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Here's what I love is like so I'm an Enneagram four, and like ones and fours like we're kind of intense, mm-hmm. and yeah. so even when I'm like hearing you talk about like we got things to do, like <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. I'm not here just so that we can goof off on Zoom, like no. get it done. <laughs> but I also do wonder about like the aspect of um, if I goof off at work or I let my mm-hmm. guard down at work, I'll be discovered. Mm-hmm. They're gonna mm-hmm. figure out like a flaw. They're gonna figure out yeah. like I'm an imposter. Or they're mm-hmm. gonna figure wow. out, you know? Yeah. And so if I only put forward what I know can hold the weight, like, yes. you know, then everything's mm-hmm. fine. So I'm going to hold back everything that feels risky. Yep. Yeah. And I'm only going to put forward the stuff that's going to make you all kind of clap. Mm. You know, all right. You can like, stop talking now, Jesse. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. Like, <laughs> it's th- true. Th- yeah. is, am I on to anything? Is that? Yeah. Uh, for me, oh what do you gosh. think? Yeah. <laughs> 
That's so good. I just want to say that's really, really good. Because I'm, I'm thinking of a time when that has happened. Like, so one time when I was an intern at Reach, you know, I had a friend who was putting on this concert. And so I got to, like, be backstage and, like, help with, like, selling merch. I got to just be a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that the Reach team was going to be there. So I was, like, like completely myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the music is playing. You know, the artist is playing. I'm, like, behind the merch table, you know, because I, I completely can see I'm really short. So I really can see the stage. So I got on the, on the, on the chair, mm-hmm. and I just started dancing. Like, absolutely just, like, crazy dance. Like, yeah, I look like an insane person. <laughs> I almost walked the chair many times. <laughs> but I didn't care because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm outside of the work. I can be free. And I looked down, and the entire team is staring at me. And I, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so embarrassed. I had to go to, into work the next day, and I was like, okay, well... <laughs> Now everyone knows that I'm actually not this boring, rigid person <laughs> that yeah. I've myself to be this whole time. Yeah. Letting your guard down feels risky. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of the theme I'm hearing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, because you're not in control. Like, right. I'm always thinking about every move like mm-hmm. that I make and mm-hmm. not in a calculated, like sinister way, but just like in a keep it in control kind of way. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the gospel message for us ones is that you are good just the way you are. What ways do you see or apply this message at work? I think God has been using people to remind me of that. Yeah, I think that it's hard for me to believe that on my own. But I think Mm -hmm. God has been using people to like say verbally say these things to me that help me believe them. And I think the more that it's said to me, the more I'm like, okay, like I can see how that can be true. Maybe that can be true. I am good as, as I'm good as I am. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to believe at work when I'm constantly trying to be the best at what I do, but steadily feeling like I'm failing or falling short. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Enneagram has helped me to understand that my value and worth comes from God and like my goodness comes from God. I think I had known that before, like in my head. I think when the Enneagram gave me language that like I started to know it in my spirit, like in my actual like physical being. And I actually started to believe it for myself. But having people around me who are affirming in the, in the way that I work and are encouraging and can point out and say, oh, yeah, good job. Like I think even yesterday, my boss noticed that I had he was he was like he had something on his you know to do list. And I just noticed and we were talking about something he had to do. And I decided, OK, I'm just going to do it. Like I'm going to take that on for you. I'm going to do it before you even have a chance just so you don't have to worry about that. And he like said thank you like and just like something that's small makes me feel like I'm doing a good job and that's you know that gospel message of you are good as you are it's like okay like even just in me being myself and me operating the way that I operate like there's goodness in that and I don't have to be someone else I don't have to be quote-unquote better to be good Um, I'm good where I am and how I am Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Okay, well, this has been like really serious conversation. I think it's time for <laughs> you two to relax a little bit. So <laughs> we're going to put you in a series of moral dilemmas so that, uh, you know, it'll be funny and uh, awful at the same time. So when we come back, we will be playing Trial by Trolley with Dayo Ajinaku. Stay with us. On today's episode of the Cast, we're exploring type one, the reformer at work. Ones have the ability to see flaws or mistakes in a process or system and find solutions. Today, many have been pointing out the flaws in America's law enforcement system. How can Christians respond and try to understand the full picture? Well, check out our other podcast, the Love That Neighborhood podcast. And be sure to listen to episode number 35, where the gospel meets law enforcement and ethnicity. Hey, what's your name? Millie Martin. Hey, Millie. Now, we've been out here 119 days today. But as a Christian, I want to make sure that, like, 
those things aren't my only eyes I see police officers through. We have to go back much further to see the origins of Christian justifications for expanded law and order. You can subscribe to the Love That Neighborhood podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, or by heading over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. That's lovethatneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Welcome back to the Cast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for Trial by Trolley. Our game today is called Trial by Trolley. Here's how it works. Dio, you're on a runaway trolley car and you can't stop it. But you can choose which track it's going to go down, either my track or Lindsay's. But it's a moral dilemma because sitting on each of our tracks will be one nice thing and one not-so-nice thing that you will have to run over, depending on which track you choose. And before you choose, Lindsay and I will each get to add an extra complication to our track, making the decision even harder. So we're each going to present you with what's on our track. It's going to be something awesome. Then we're going to add a complication, and then you have to choose which one you're going to want to send the trolley down. Whichever you choose, that person gets a point, but the goal is actually to have as few points as possible. So it's like golf, Lindsay. It's like golf. Happy track. Happy yeah, track. that's right. <laughs> We're going to play three rounds, and whoever has the least points at the end wins. Are you both ready to play? Yep. I think so. All right. Lindsay, are you ready? Okay. So on my track, there is a lottery ticket with your name on it, a winning lottery ticket. With your name on it. Daya doesn't gamble. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, there's nothing that says that a lottery ticket wouldn't survive being run over by a train. Uh I'm just saying. Uh And then there's also a shark with wings. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So that's that's Lindsay's. Uh, Here's on my track. It's it's a blind man and his equally blind dog. (laughs) Oh, my and also on my tracks uh, is a horde of zombies running towards you. Whoa. Okay, so the complication for mine is there is a winning lottery ticket with your name on it, and there is a shark with wings, but the shark with wings is actually three children. Oh, dang. Disguised. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay, on my track is a blind man and his equally blind dog. And a horde of zombies running towards you, but the blind man and his equally blind dog just punched you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) So, Daya, the question is, which track are you going to run over? Man. I love the moral dilemma she feels. (laughs) (laughs) Three children or a blind man and his blind dog. And zombies. Zombies are people. (laughs) No, they're not. They're unpeople. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to go with Jesse. Yes. So you're you're running over mine. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> that's a point for me, people. Or no, that's a point for you, which is good for me. Yeah. 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 Your golf well, game's not looking so good. Who knew that ones can make the wrong choice? <laughs> <laughs> Daya, I'm gonna go first this time. Are you ready? 
Okay, yeah. Okay. Sorry. On my track is the entire water supply for a major city. Mm. And <laughs> a mean poop throwing monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are dangerous. <laughs> okay. On my track is a whole Girl Scout troop selling cookies. And also, that's like a double loss. I know. <laughs> the Girl Scouts and the cookies. cookies. Also, there is some guy who is mugging your friend. Oh, oh dang. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, on mine is the entire water supply for a major city and a mean, and a mean poop throwing monkey. And also, the mean poop throwing monkey chews, with, chews their food with their mouth open. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's bad etiquette. Double that bad etiquette. Super bad. Close your mouth. Stop throwing your poop. Okay. So I have Girl Scouts selling their cookies and the guy that happens to be mugging your friend, which who's to say he wouldn't pull your friend onto the track? I mean, really, mm-hmm. you got to be careful with these things. Mm-hmm. And the guy who is mugging your friend, he would literally give you the shirt off their back. He'd mug your friend. Wait, he'd he take get, your shirt from the friend no, and then give you the friend's shirt? <laughs> no. Like, no, like that's some weird Robin Hood he's stuff. He's a nice guy underneath. He's in a desperate situation. That seems not accurate. It is. It is accurate. All right, Dio. The game says. <laughs> Dio, which track are you going to run down? Okay. I think Jesse's. Yes. Again? Yes. You're going to destroy the entire water supply for a major city. Versus the Girl Scouts. <laughs> water is a reoccurring resource. Tell that to people that are living <laughs> through a, <laughs> a drought. Oh, man. I think my concern is the kids. I don't know why, yeah. but anytime you put kids in situations, I just can't. Exactly. Well, I'm going to remember. It's because you're a good person. My next one is all kids then. <laughs> I'm going to choose all person. kids. Daya, do you feel tense playing this game? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, Lindsay. Ladies first. All right. On my track is literally every single person over the age of 40. What? That's a card? Oh, that's messed up. Yep. And the person who invented pop-up ads. Oh, pop-up ads? Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, <laughs> this is going to be a tough one. On my track is your home. Oh, so your whole family? No, no, no. Home and family is different. No, you can't see <laughs> the car. Let me see the picture. No, Let me see it. Me Jesse. See it. He's not showing it. There's people. It's just a house. No. It is a house. No. Yes. And a corrupt pharmaceutical CEO. Ooh. Yeah. Who gave a whole continent a no, fake what are you COVID doing? vaccine? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's the complication. That is not on there. Okay, go ahead. Okay, my complication. So I have. Every single person over the age of 40, plus the person who invented pop-up ads, who is actually just one of 329 identical clones. So even if you kill him, there are 329 more of him. Will pop up. More, of him. <laughs> more of him will yeah. pop up. So there's really no point killing him. Yeah. Okay. Well, on mine is your home and a corrupt pharmaceutical CEO, but... The corrupt pharmaceutical CEO is rushing home to take care of their sick baby. Mm, if they weren't so corrupt, maybe their baby wouldn't be sick. Hey, it's their baby. <laughs> they still love their baby. But the baby's not on the track, just to be clear. Yeah, but the baby needs help. They've got a mom. There's a baby at risk here. <laughs> There's a baby at risk here. I just want to... 
<laughs> you just want to There's a child. There's definitely a child involved in mine. Think about all the people over 40. How many children will be affected by every person hey, over listen, 40? I'm that over would be 40. you. We had you our chance. You would be on the We track. had our chance. I'm fine. You should call your kids and see how they feel about that. <laughs> to die is gain. We're good. We're fine. Okay? <laughs> all uh, right. Okay, Dio, now that we've put you in an immoral pretzel, uh, what are you going to choose? Man, I think since I, since when you said home, you didn't mean like my family was in my home. Oh, I, no, I think, no, 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 I think no, no, your no, no, family's no, no, no. in your home. <laughs> no, they're not. There's a risk. <laughs> There's no people on the card. They may have come home early from work. <laughs> you don't know for sure. Okay, what were you going to say? Mean, this, is, this is the thing. 40 plus... There are people who are 30, 35 who still are living, who can carry on the legacy of other people. Of so every single person over the age of 40, your parents would be on that track. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. How old is Lecrae? I mean, what is he going to think about this? He's like 40 something. Yeah. yeah. Late. So you're saying, yeah, he doesn't matter in his music industry because he could just whoa, go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I think I'm going to run over. I'm sorry, Jesse. <laughs> Dude. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy. I don't yeah. know, because you can get rid of, I mean, we can get a new home. You can get rid of that corrupt pharmacy yeah. person. Yep. Mm. So mm. much is affected by Lindsay's. Yep. Mm. So, Jesse, uh, what was the final score? Yeah, you obliterated me on that one. (laughs) I came back with a vengeance. Yeah. Now that I can remember how to play the game. (laughs) Well, congratulations, Lindsay. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And now it's time for listener questions. Right, this question is from Daniel Morrison. I find myself often doing work that I think is good and important, but that doesn't necessarily fit my gifting. As in, well, someone needs to do it, so I guess I'll do it. Any thoughts on how to seek to do work that is also enjoyable, not just important work that is more holier than that fun stuff that you really enjoy? So, like, what's the basic question? It's like... He's doing things that feel good and right, maybe, like, holier than thou, I think but not necessarily things that he loves and use his gifts. Okay. Yeah. So as a one, how do I find work that is enjoyable, not just morally right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think that this is something that I struggled with for a very, very long time. A lot of things that I do in my life are me trying to be bridge builders or like fill in the gap. Um, And they may not be things that I'm supposed to be doing or things that that I desire to do, but I just want to fill in the gap. So I can very much fall into like, oh, yeah, I should be doing this and doing that and doing this. But is that actually what is fun and enjoyable? Mm-hmm. We talked about earlier how I want to go to law school. And for me, law school is a part of me filling the gap. There's not enough black lawyers in the world. Mm. So 5% of us are black. And then there's 2% of us that are black women. There needs to be a, um, more people in this field. So that for me, that's like the very serious, what he would call holier than thou kind of career. But then I also have you know, passion projects on the side that I enjoy. So I think that still holding on to things that are good. We need people who have that moral compass, who have that higher standard doing certain jobs, doing jobs that may, maybe you don't want to do. And this may be, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've learned in my life is that you kind of need both. Like, I think I need both. I need one to ground me. I need one to like kind of lift me up and give me joy. Um, but if I don't have the one that's grounding me, which is my, my desire to be an attorney, I don't think I would really enjoy 
my Black Indian Game page and, and the joy that that brings me. I, th- I think I need both. So yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. I think that's great. I think a first big step for anyone is to just think about, well, what is enjoyable for you? Right. You know, because if you don't even know what that is, you can't seek a job that would be more enjoyable. And like you're saying, I think you're right on that. Sometimes you might enjoy the work that you do for kind of moral reasons. Yeah. But you need to be checking in with yourself that you are doing things just for enjoyment somewhere in your life. Even if your work is your work. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to not have any like hobbies, like things you do just for the fun of it, just because they make you feel happy and alive, you know, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that your job job is, you know, something super fun, you know, because you might be, you might just get enjoyment at the fact that you're good at whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're right on with that. Okay. This question comes from Lindsey Graham. How can ones turn down the volume of their inner critic? Yeah. For me, meditation helps a lot. So stopping in the middle of my day, stopping when I'm like not feeling okay and just like, okay, now you're being really hard on yourself. Just stop, listen to some nature sounds and just breathe. Like that's literally what it is for me. It's just like getting in touch with like my physical presence. Like I'm physically here. The world isn't as crazy as my mind is telling me that it is. My inner critic is going crazy. I need to kind of silence it by focusing on my breath. Um, and so some people that sounds hippie be that sounds like, oh, you know, you're falling into certain things that you shouldn't be. But for me, I think God has really been meeting me there and giving me a lot of rest and peace through just like silence and solitude I'm an embracing the fact that I don't have to have it all together I don't have to be perfect and allowing that meditation time to be times where I'm remembering that and if you know adding that scriptural element to it is just like yeah breath prayers and praying through scripture in a way that's like meditative kind of like like rehearsing it in your mind the truth of who you are Mm -hmm. the truth of who God is in your mind and being intentional about stopping when you notice that those things are you know, going off in you. So yeah, that's kind of my advice. I totally agree. I I don't think it's too hippy dippy. I think silence <laughs> and solitude is so key to even knowing you have a critical voice. Because right. I think for some of us, it's baseline. Like that's just what we've always heard in our mind. Mm-hmm. And so until you get quiet, you don't even catch it. That it's just like right. this endless loop of, you know. And you think everybody thinks like that. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. 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 Kind of like sixes think everybody is hyper alert and vigilant Mm -hmm. and nervous and scared or whatever Mm -hmm. ones. Yeah. We just assume doesn't everybody hate themselves Mm -hmm. like (laughs) how you view yourself like Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I have to like say to myself, oh, this is the critical voice. And then it's like I can mentally say, "Okay, you have to go to the back burner. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that comes to mind for me when I think about the inner critic is um, the inner critic really likes to commandeer uh, scripture verses mm-hmm. and religious language. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the words being spoken may sound like Jesus, but the tone mm-hmm. does not. That's so true. And that's I good. think that that's the distinction is like when the one can start to realize, hold on, this voice is the voice of an abuser, yeah. not yep. the voice of Jesus. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. And, then, and then when the one can begin to catch that and go, hold on. I don't have to pay attention to this abuser. Yeah, I, right. God speaks for me and speaks to me, and that's enough. Yeah. The yeah. the Holy Spirit doesn't need to shame you to right. do anything yeah. with you. You know, right. that's not how he works. Yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Well, Daya, this has been awesome. Yeah. It's been so good having you on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Glad I got to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we love the work that you're doing. Yeah. Keep it up. Thank you. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. 
special thanks to our guest today, Dayo Ajanaku. Go check out the Black Enneagram. She covers everything from biblical promises for each type to advice for married couples to typecasting her favorite movies and TV shows. And I just want to say, like, her visuals, amazing. So go check it out. It's a really fun, informative, whimsical account. You can find her on Instagram at The Black Enneagram. Content for this episode comes from Crosspoint Ministry, Beatrice Chestnut, and Kim Eddy. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was edited by Rachel Zabo, Lindsay Lewis, and myself. Rachel's also our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I am Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Thank you.